0: Good morning. I entitled this morning's message, Wrapped Up in God's Heart. I subtitled it, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the School Presentation. (laughs) Yes, um, this might sound a little bit like deja vu, but I also am gonna use the uh, message that we had to present in our school, by Kears Bible College. What I'm actually gonna be talking to you about this morning is the power of meditating God's word. The reason I called this message Wrapped Up in God's Heart is because that is the end goal of meditation. To find ourselves wrapped up in God's heart. The school presentation is called um, A Study in Exegesis. I like to just shorten it to let's extract Jesus <laughs> so the the class you know teaches you basically the foundations of interpreting scripture you know what, what does each word mean does it mean the same thing today as it meant then what is the Hebrew and Greek what kind of nuances do those words have that maybe we're not accustomed to and then there's the, what we call the context of the scripture. What is the theme of that particular chapter, or even that particular book? And then what is the historical content of the entire book? Who wrote it? Who was it written to? All of these are factors in interpreting a scripture correctly. We had five lessons. So every week you had a homework assignment. I spent hours <laughs> doing all of the, the reading because you know, if you're going to find context, you've got to know not just what one chapter is, but what came before that chapter, what came after that chapter. So if you're looking for the context of a scripture, you got to know what's going on all around it. It takes time. There is a difference when you go to present this information. There's a difference between presenting information and bringing a message. And I think that's probably one of the things that we found out you know, the class as a whole, is that I'm not up here to give you a whole bunch of information that you can get yourself. That's not the goal. The goal is bringing a message from the Lord, the Word of God. Even though I had prepared diligently, I had spent really hours and hours of looking for the correct interpretation of this particular scripture. The week before we had to present it, though, I had to minister. So see, I was getting another message ready while I was supposed to be preparing this message for school. (laughs) And so I did all of the homework. What I did not do, though, is I did not meditate it. And I told the Lord, Lord, you know I don't have time to meditate this one this week. I have to meditate that one this week. (laughs) I have to feed people on Sunday. Then I can do that one. And he says, okay. But I had to turn in my outline of the message. So I did. I mean, it's very structurally and theologically, a very good and sound message. But I hadn't meditated it yet. So I had all the information, but I didn't yet have the revelation. There's a difference between information and revelation. Information is what happens in your head. Revelation is what happens in your heart. Webster's Dictionary says, Revelation is the communication of truth men by God himself I really like that it is the communication of truth to me by God himself often we would say I heard that," I heard that I heard it and then all of a sudden the light went on what are we saying I got the revelation it's no longer information now it's dropped from my head to my heart Years ago, I went to a little holiness church and on Sunday night was testimony service. And people would take turns standing up telling their family, their church family, what God was doing in their life. And over and over and over again, there was a theme. What I knew in my head dropped into my heart and it changed everything. That's the power of revelation. Something that happens in our heart. Meditation is one of the main ways we experience God. You see, a word that's just information has no experience with it. Uh, My husband says, you can't learn to swim from the living room. Now picture that. Someone on the floor trying to go through the motions of learning to swim. That's going to be a little hard, isn't it? Are they going to actually learn to swim in the living room? No. Swimming is something you have to learn by experience. Your heart values experience above information. Your heart values revelation. Because that's what revelation is. It's, not, it's, it's in something you experience. This communicating of truth to us by God himself is an experience. We experience the truth of God's word. It goes from something, information, and it drops down into our heart and becomes revelation. Our heart is a seeing heart. It's a hearing heart. Now, what do I mean by that? My husband uh, taught a message on no condemnation. And he told a funny story. It was about the Flintstones. I don't know if most of you were here. If I, I see some heads nodding, yeah, I remember the Flintstones story. Why do you remember that? Yes, it was a word, you saw the truth. You didn't just hear there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You actually saw the truth illustrated. And when we see something, when we hear something, when we experience something, it has the ability to go from something we heard in our head to something we now own in our heart. I will never again look at the Flintstones the same way. <laughs> <laughs> now he talked about, he drew a little picture for us about how the, at the end of the Flintstones, Barney and, and Fred and Wilma and all the, all the families are in the little car and they go home. And they all go to their houses and what happens is Fred Flintstone puts the cat out with a bottle of milk and shuts the door. And then the cat jumps in the window and then you see the cat putting Fred out of his house. You see, I really like that because that is an illustration of what condemnation will do to us. It will try to put us outside of God's house, outside of God's provision, outside of God's love. So he took a truth and he made it relevant not just to my head, but to my heart. Now when someone says, let's put the cat out, (laughs) I go, yes! Put that cat out, to no condemnation. Our heart, because it is a seeing and a hearing heart, it is a lot like a detective. It is looking for evidence. When we talk about wanting to see the manifestation of what we're believing for, we're not talking about seeing it internally. When we say, I want to see my healing, we're, we're saying, I want to see it manifested in the natural. But the truth is, before we see it manifested in the natural, we have to see it in the spiritual. It has to become more real, more real, than what we are experiencing. Because your heart is a heart that values experience above knowledge. And your heart is really the gate to your spirit. And what is in your spirit? Everything good in Christ Jesus. The healing, the provision, the hope, the dreams, the happy ending, everything Christ is and has done for us is available. And it's it's not far away. God's not waiting to dump good things on us from heaven. He already gave everything we need in Christ himself. So where's my healing? It's in me. Where's my provision? It's in me. Why? Because Christ is in me. But my heart. Is a gatekeeper. My heart says we will only release what you really believe, not what you believe in your head, what you believe in your heart. Now you may think, well that should be the same thing. I can't tell you how often Christians get frustrated because they go, I am believing as hard as I can believe, as hard as I know how to believe. I can't get my healing to manifest. I can't get my provision to show up. I can't get whatever. And, the tr- and they know. They know. I already have it, but I don't have it. How do I get it? The gatekeeper is the key. Because we only receive or release when we have enough evidence to open the gate when we get our what we believe in our head, what we believe in our heart, and what we believe in our spirit all in alignment, it is able to be released. We call that faith. Now, our heart contains lots of information, lots of believing, not all good. <laughs> and it is continuously receiving information. My body talks to me all of the time. It tells me when it's tired. It tells me when it's hungry it tells me when it's cranky it talks constantly now if I am believing I am healed and this is a thing too so often we say I am believing for something I'm believing for something to, to come in other words we push this all into the future faith is always based on something that's already finished that's one of the things the Lord's been, been saying to me. Stop saying you're believing for something. Because what I'm saying is, what I'm asking to have released is somewhere out in the future. But he says, faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. See, my heart is looking for evidence. It has, it's just like that little detective, and he's looking everywhere. Where is the evidence for the fact that you are healed? your heart has like a little scale on the inside. And if you think of it that way, that it weighs information, it weighs revelation. Now, because revelation is much heavier, information has, especially if you have the same information over and over and over again, it can start to accumulate, and you start to believe that information. You start to own it. So if I always listen to my body, always listen to my body, always listen to my body, always, 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 what am I doing? I am establishing that experience is real. If I say, I am sick. Oh, I don't feel good. (laughs) I start over and over and over again planting that in my heart. It becomes my reality. I believe what I experience. That's the the thing about your heart. It believes what is experienced. See, I can know the truth. A few weeks ago, I I ministered on, Is Jesus Enough? And I had said, at one point in my life, I told Jesus, Jesus, you are not enough. (laughs) Quickly followed by, I know that's not true. How can I be double-minded like that? How can I say, I feel like you're not enough, but I know that you are. See, what I was saying is, I don't have enough evidence to convince my heart. Meditation is the way we can gather the evidence. Meditation is the way we can gather the evidence. Because without that evidence, your heart will always believe what you experience above what you know. I like um, the old-fashioned murder mysteries. Columbo... Matlock I like the old ones they were very benign (laughs) they weren't gross or weird like some of them are today but when I was thinking about this the Lord brought to my mind these two these two in particular one because Colombo was always looking to find who was guilty he was always gathering evidence to prove somebody guilty Matlock on the other hand is always gathering evidence to prove somebody innocent. You see, they're both doing the same thing but for a different reason. When our heart goes looking for evidence, is it acting like Columbo? Or is it acting like Matlock? Is it acting like the accuser? Or is it acting like our Jesus, our savior? You see, Jesus is always going to help us find the evidence our heart needs to be able to open the gate of our heart and release all the crises in our life. But both of them need evidence to provide you with evidence. Satan will gladly provide you with evidence. Look, look how you feel. Oh, you feel so bad. You must be sick. Oh, look at your checkbook. Oh, you must be poor. And unfortunately, what we do, yeah, look at that. (laughs) Don't agree with your adversary. (laughs) Agree with the Savior. Amen. Amen? Agree that you are innocent. I also like this analogy because Satan is always going to tell you you're guilty of something. You see, if your heart believes you're guilty, you won't believe you're innocent. If your heart is persuaded that God is mad at you, you will not be able to release your faith. If you believe in your heart, see, it's all about what we believe in our heart, not what we believe in our head. Our experiences are what affects our heart. So that's why it's so important that we learn to experience God and His Word through meditation. The Lord gave me this analogy about how your heart uses that scale, that back and forth. Oftentimes, when the Holy Spirit moves in, in worship service and he tells me to speak out in tongues, this weighing begins. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> Is that me? Are you sure that's you? Are you sure that's you? <laughs> um, uh, when? Okay, okay, I know it's you now, now when? Now what's going on? What am I weighing? Faith and fear what if I do it wrong what if I don't say it right (laughs) but I have faith I'm hearing the word of the Lord I know it's him so I have this weighing going on well what the Lord did years ago because I hated this weighing I want to be obedient Lord I want to do what you tell me to do even if it's uncomfortable even if it comes along with a little bit of fear how do I overcome this and the Lord said, let's tip the scale. Let's give you an experience, a revelation, that will, when this happens, you can turn that revelation on and thunk, you automatically flow in the spirit. Yes, what is the magic word? <laughs> and the Lord said, you know, tongues and interpretation is equivalent to prophecy. Prophecy is for encouragement, for building up the body of Christ, Yep. It ministers to people. Yep. He says, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're robbing the body of Christ of its blessing. I went, (laughs) ouch. See, he knows my heart. He knows I don't want to rob anyone of anything, especially not what the Lord wants to say to them. So whenever that weighing starts to happen in my heart, all of a sudden he'll say, do you remember? Do you want to steal somebody's blessing? No, Lord, I don't. That tips my scale. And then I can speak out. The same thing happens with interpretation. I can't tell you how many times people come up to me afterwards and go, I knew that was the word. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why didn't you say it? <laughs> you know why? Because they have the same problem, their experience. That fear says, what if I do it wrong? What if I say it the wrong way? It's, it's all the enemy. It's all Columbo. <laughs> it's all the enemy trying to, look to make you feel guilty that somehow you're going to fail. But we have to remember, God will give us an experience, a word, a revelation that will easily tip our scale anytime we need it so that we can step out in faith and do what he wants us to do. The word talks a lot about meditation. It doesn't necessarily use those terms, though. He uses um, terms like ponder, consider. Jesus said, consider the lilies. What is he saying? He's talking about really a, a process of meditation. Meditation is something you've all experienced today. You might not have noticed. You may not know that's what you did. But that's part of what actually happens in a church service, is that we all enter into a state of meditation. They have proven that physically, when we listen to music, when we sing repetitious songs, sound familiar? <laughs> when we focus on something and give it our full attention, our brain enters into a state where we are able to receive. That meditation state is where we can receive revelation, information from God that goes right into our heart. That's why we do what we do. So that we can ex experience God. We quiet ourselves. We focus on Him. We sing the same song over and over several times, and we start to picture the words in the song, which is the point. That's exactly what meditation does. Meditation is seeing. Why? Because your heart is a seeing heart. Your heart is a hearing heart. Your heart believes what you experience. Even if it's a, the imagination of your, of your eyes, the heart, the imagination of your heart. It values that as experience. When the Lord told me this morning to call Lauren up, guess what I started doing? Started weighing. Is <laughs> this you, God? Are you sure about this? I <laughs> said, yes, yeah. And he says, I want to paint a picture for Lauren. You see, his kidneys might start talking. But he can say, oh, no, 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 Colombo! I stood in the center of my church and my family laid the hands of Jesus Christ on me. I saw it with my own eyes. I didn't even have to imagine it. These are spirit-filled believers. They believe with me. They stand with me. I am surrounded by the body of Christ. I am not losing this battle. I have already won it. You see, he likes to give us experience that when Columbo comes knocking saying, I know you're guilty, we say, oh no I'm not. My defender, the Lord Jesus Christ, has said, I am healed. I have the spot on the carpet I can take you to. I know that I know. That experience builds our ability to believe and so that when we, when we have those arguments, those weighings that happen, we can tilt our scale and the power of Christ be released against the columbo that comes in our life. Psalms 49:3 says, "My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding." Psalms 104:34 says, "My meditation of him is sweet, and I will be glad in the Lord." Psalms Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love thy law. We would say it this way. Oh, how I love thy word. It is my meditation all the day. Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. So, like I said, there's lots of words in the Old Testament. There are 18 times you'll find the word meditator, meditation. It all starts with information. But it has. if it's going to change our lives, it has to become revelation. And that only happens through meditation. I brought my little game here, my little Rubik's Cube. Anybody ever see one of these? Anyone ever want to throw one against the wall? <laughs> yeah I'm not good at these but when when I had told the Lord I didn't have time to meditate my scripture I had it all theologically correct it's a beautiful message a little boring because it's all information but the week following he says okay it's time to get out your Rubik's Cube you see when you do a Rubik's Cube you mess it all up like this so it's all mixed up no, I am not going to be able to fix this. <laughs> but I remember doing Rubik's cubes for years, trying to get, because I know people who can do them like that. My husband is one of them. But me, I have to turn it and look, and then turn it, okay, no, it doesn't work. Okay, um, how do I do this? Uh, no, okay, what am, I, what am I doing? I'm focusing on one single thing. And I am turning it over and over and over. And when I'm doing this, I'm muttering. I'm talking to myself. That's from a meditation. I'm so focused on this that I start talking. <laughs> Listen, that's not right. Why aren't, you, why aren't you doing this? Why isn't this working right? That's meditation. When you take a scripture and you start to, oh, wait. What if I I look at it this way? And we start to picture. You see what you you do with a Rubik's Cube? You picture the end product. You know what it's supposed to look like. And that's what your aim is. You're trying to see the end before the beginning. Does that sound like anybody you know? (laughs) Yeah. Meditation says, I can see the end. I know what this looks like. And so I'm pondering it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm turning it. And, it's, and the reason this is meditation is because you're, you're engaging what you see, what you hear, what you feel. You don't just play Rubik's Cube. You experience it. That's why people want to throw them against the wall. <laughs> this message was part of a question I had for the Lord. Lord, I want to see certain things manifest in my life, and I'm not. How do I move those boundaries? How do I get my scale to tilt so that the power of Christ is released? How do I do it? It's meditation. This word is called wrapped up in in God's heart. That actually comes out of um, Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. I've heard this this particular scripture ministered many, many times over the years, waiting on God. One of the nuances is to wait, to spend time waiting, but it doesn't have the connotation of twiddling your fingers or your thumbs. Another person I heard minister said, think of it as waitstaff. You're like waitstaff, ministering to the Lord, waiting on him for his word to you or his instruction to you, you're waiting on him. Those are not my favorite ones. This is my favorite one. One of the primary meanings for this word weight is to bind together. To collect together by twisting, perhaps, they say. And I saw it. If you collect a bunch of twigs, especially in that time, how would you bind a bunch of twigs together? They didn't have super glue. They would wrap something around. That's the picture of this word. Wrap yourself around the Lord. Wrap yourself around the Lord. And when you do this, this wrapping, this meditating, because when you think of waiting on the Lord, you're looking to Him, you're listening for Him, all of those things become an experience. Waiting on the Lord is something where we experience Him. And he says, when you experience me, when you wrap yourself around who I am, you renew your strength that word renew means to actually exchange you get a strength that doesn't belong to you in the natural yes (laughs) I want his strength he says if I if I wrap myself around his heart I saw it just like like a vine around a tree you really can't tell where one begins and the other ends he says when we wrap ourselves, our mind and our heart around who he is, who he is, it tilts our, the scale of our heart. When we see this as the reality, when we experience it, it releases the gate of our heart. And out comes the, express, the expression of the Lord himself. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. I looked at this in the Greek version. It says, they shall grow wings. Put that in your head. What does that look like? What would it feel like for you to grow wings and fly around with Christ? You see, when we enter into our imagination, when we enter into the word pictures that God has for us, those experiences change our heart. And then when Colombo comes knocking, we can say, Oh no, the Lord showed me this. I have a revelation of who he is that will discount anything you've got to throw at me. It changes who we are. There is no instantaneous way to change your heart. There isn't. There's no instantaneous way to get your, the gate of your heart to let the spirit out. You're going to have to get out your Rubik's Cube. The Word of God. And start looking at it. Start turning it over. Start painting the pictures that when you read something in God's Word, it isn't just words. It turns into a story. It turns into a picture. You are in it. You are experiencing it. It becomes a reality to your heart. Because when that happens, Christ is set free to be expressed through us. My scripture, in case you were wondering, was Romans 5.10. It says this. For if... When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. This is a whole different message. And I had done all of the work. I can tell you what it is to be an enemy. I can tell you what it means to be reconciled. I can tell you all, all, what all the words mean. But it wasn't until I started to meditate it that it began to have impact. It began to tilt my scale in my heart. You see, what does an enemy look like? What does your enemy look like? This particular scripture was written to believers who had real enemies, the Romans. They were merciless. What does your enemy look like? What does it look like to have an enemy? What does it feel like to have an enemy? Can you picture that? Can you feel that? Now let's change the story. We have a picture of an enemy Someone who wants to only do us harm. Someone who hates us with a passion. God says, that was you. We counted ourselves his enemy. But what he said, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to weigh all the parts of this scripture. What does it look like that God reconciled us to himself through the death of his son? Who here would give their son for an enemy? For an enemy, what kind of love is it that is willing to give their son to win their enemy's freedom? Extravagant. Extravagant love. You see, we know in human speaking, I might be willing to give my life for my child or for my husband. But to give my life for someone who hates me and despises me? No, see, that's not not in the human ability this is only a divine ability to love with this kind of love and he says weigh those things and then he says weigh the first half of this scripture with the last half of the scripture this is where the meditating started to really affect me because I started to see that I was an enemy prior to receiving Christ that I counted myself as such I never thought of myself in that way. I've always believed in God, so I never thought of myself as an enemy. And I said, Lord, when? When did I ever count you an enemy? And the Lord said, do you remember way back when? You were about 19. I can see it right now. Just like that. I can see it. I'm putting the key into the door of my house. And I had this thought, what if Jesus comes back today? And terror gripped my heart. And the Lord said, why? And I went, I'm not even gonna think about that. <laughs> I pushed it right on, i gone. No, I don't wanna know about that. I don't wanna meditate on that. Because I thought if Jesus came today, he would be mad, and he would be angry, and he would punish me, and he would put me in a very bad place called hell. <laughs> I didn't even know. See, I believed in him. I thought good people went to heaven. I didn't know I counted him my enemy until I was faced with the reality that I might have to experience his presence and his wrath. It became real to my heart. I saw it in a second. When we see and we hear and we experience the truth, it has the power to impact our heart and to change us completely. We can do exactly what I did that day. No, I don't want to think about that. We can push the truth away. We don't have to embrace it. But when we do, it changes everything. The reason he uses this word reconciled is because the word itself means to be made friendly. He says, I wanna take my enemies and make them my friends. He says, I want you to weigh that so it becomes a reality in your heart that you were my enemy, but I wanted desperately for you to be my friend. So I'm willing to give this price for you. And then he says, how much more being made friendly shall we be saved by his life? What does that mean? Saved by his life. The word saved is the word sozo. It's saved, healed, delivered, made whole, made protected. Everything we need. He says that will that becomes the reality in us when we start weighing the validity of what he's done. When I had started meditating this word and I used, you know, discovered all all the words meant, the Lord said, you know, you didn't look up all the words. I didn't? He goes, no. What does it begin with? It begins with if. You know what an if statement does? It makes you weigh the statement. That's called an if-then statement. If this is true, then this is true. Remember, faith is about what has already happened. Has Jesus already died for us? Is it an accomplished fact? Can we weigh the reality of that in our heart? He says, Weigh this. You were enemies. This love is so great. This love is so grand that he gave his son. Now, if this is true, he says, Put it on your scale. If this is true, what's going to happen to your scale? it's going to slam to the other side and you're going to flow in the spirit and he says, and that's going to be the result he says, because when this happens because we're reconciled we shall be saved and healed and delivered by the life that is in us, but he says in order to make it work, you've got to weigh it weigh what he's done weigh what is accomplished he says, if you know this is all done then you know this is true you don't have to Go back and forth. Am I healed? Will you take care of me? Am I safe? You don't have to deal with that weighing back and forth. You can go to the Word and you can paint a picture. You can Rubik's Cube it. Look at it over and over again. Put yourself in there. When was I an enemy? (laughs) And when was I rescued? He doesn't just make us his friends. He has made us his family takes an enemy and adopts them only God only extravagant love and he says if you can weigh the the truth of this if you can paint the pictures of this if you can enter into it by experience in your heart you'll see his life come out of you you'll see the truth of who he is become experiential in your life amen amen I'm gonna close with prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the truth and the reality that I have been rescued. That the death and burial of Jesus Christ is an accomplished fact. And in that fact, my heart has the evidence it needs to declare that I am healed. I am prosperous. I am protected. I am filled. I am not hungry. I am not lacking. I lack no good thing because I have you. Father, I pray open the eyes of our heart and help us to meditate your word. Help us to tip the scale of our heart And release all that you are. I thank you, Father God, that your answer is always yes. Yes, child, wrap yourself around me. So that I can wrap myself around you. So you will experience my presence. And you will stand and declare the finished work of Jesus Christ. When the enemy comes, I can tilt my scale. No, I have been redeemed. I am a child of the living God, and I will not stand for those things in my life. My heart has all the evidence it needs on the cross of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I thank you, and I praise you. Amen. Amen.